Hello again, friends, and welcome to the Young Anglicans podcast. The Young Anglicans podcast is a place for conversation and discussion about ministry to teenagers through the lens of Anglicanism. It's hosted by me, Andrew Unger, and me, Eric Overholt. We're both real-life Anglican youth pastors who want to see young people find and follow Jesus for the rest of their lives. We're glad you're with us. Oh, I just knocked my mic. That's a good start to this That's this episode start. after another another unintentional hiatus. Yeah. <laughs> We're this glad is... to be back with you. We we have missed recording podcasts because we really do enjoy it. We had these really big ideas about recording at the Anglican Youth Ministers Gathering about having a round table and sitting down and getting everybody together and which and these were great ideas by the way. We have lots of really good ideas that just never come to fruition, but you should all know they're there, and maybe one day, someday maybe we, we live just in hope. Pray, pray for us that that our ideas will, you know, begin to bear fruit in some way. They're such good ideas. They are such good ideas. What what are we brought to? Uh, what to, brought to you by today? Um, I don't know. I don't know what is coming up. What's the going Y on? Summit's coming up? I guess the Y Summit is coming yeah. up. That's right. That's a young Anglicans event. It's uh, it's gather the the evening before the March for Life in Washington D.C. Um, you've been there before, Andrew. Why don't you talk about the Y Summit? So I went to the to the sort of fledgling beginnings of it. Y Summit. Uh, I think its first official thing was last year, which I wasn't at. But the year before, um, Anglicans for Life sort of had some fledgling youth activities. And they've really turned it into a whole event. Um, Will Chester, the youth pastor from Res, friend of ours, said that um, said that last year's uh, Anglicans for Life, March for Life stuff was really, really a game changer for some of his students. Um, it's in January, especially if if um, pro life issues are really sort of at the heart of your youth ministry or something you want to emphasize. Um, I'd really encourage you to go to the Y Summit. They really have a good. Um, a good handle on this. Uh, Sammy Franks is involved, um, and she does a really good job. She has a whole abundant life curriculum related to human sexuality um, that I would recommend from the bits and pieces that I've seen. Um, I'm trying to see if they have dates for Y Summit 2020, and I don't it's, see it's it mid, yet. It's mid-January, and I want to say it's like the 17th and 18th. That sounds right. But I could, be, case, I could be wrong about that. You should... You know what? If you really care about this, you should take initiative. You shouldn't let us spoon feed you dates and websites. <laughs> you should go to Google and find it yourself. Um, you you can go to Anglicans for Life. The Anglicans for Life website will have lots of information about it. Uh, it's I got to be on the Young Anglicans. But look, you see how great we have done our research for this podcast. That we have no, we're telling people about something we don't really know anything about, and yep. we don't know where to tell them even to go to get information uh, besides Google. You <laughs> we, know. <laughs> we're 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 real professional here yeah, at Young Anglicans podcast. In any case, um, <laughs> I, I think generally, if that's a thing that you're interested in, it really is a a, a big experience. Um, it, it's a great chance to meet with other Anglicans um, to sort of do this pro life stuff. And I think the Anglicans for Life um, people have a bigger vision for what it means to be pro life than simply angry political protesting. It, it is a bigger more positive message than just we're angry. Um, and I think that's an encouraging way to go. And I think that's a little bit more winsome for our students to hear. Um, not that we exist to be against anyone, but we are sort of for women, for life, for 
um, the unborn and for marginalized people. So um, awesome. if that's Great. a thing you're interested in, if that's the kind of kind of issue that's in your wheelhouse, you should really consider going to Y Summit. Check it out. It's going to be awesome. So, Andrew, today uh, I, I wanted to spend some time talking with you uh, about goodness, truth and beauty, beauty in particular. And it has it has to do a lot with with me kind of rolling around in my own mind. Like what 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 is the proper orientation to goodness, truth and beauty um, and how are these gifts that God has given us to to point us to Him, and, and how can we employ those on some level in youth ministry um, to to perhaps capture the hearts of students, hearts and minds of students, um, so that it doesn't just it's not just us feed, feeding them information. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of what's been rolling around in my mind, and I know beauty and transcendence. Uh, are things that have been really important in your life, and I yeah. wonder if you could just you could just start off maybe talking about that in particular, if if that would be okay. Yeah, I'd love to. So, um, I, I have this category. I don't know if anybody else thinks in these terms, but I have this category of personal apologetic, the kind of arguments you have for God or for the existence of God that are really just how you make sense of it. They may not be the kinds of things that you could use in a open debate, but it's sort of the thing where you're like. This is why this is the thing that makes sense for me. Um, for me, the existence of beauty is part of that. That sort of beauty connects to transcendence. The fact that there are beautiful things. That when we play beautiful music, when we see beautiful art, when we, um, especially when we participate in it, um, mm. being in, being in various musical groups um, growing up and sort of doing a little bit of uh, strange music work on my own. There is something um, transcendent about participating in beautiful music that to me con connects me beyond just a simply materialist worldview, right? Like I do that and I think this has got to be more than just synapses firing in my brain liking symmetry or whatever. Um, so beauty is a, a big thing for me. And then... Can, um, can I actually, can I pause right there? I, I, I want to I ask you a question related to what you're talking about. Let's take a moment to make sure we're talking about the same thing yeah. and define transcendence. That's a yeah. big, fancy, beautiful sounding word. Let's talk about what transcendence is before we go on from this. Yeah. So my mind, I'm, I am, I use words a lot and have a general sense of what they mean and hope that I use them right. And when it's yeah. confirmed that I'm using them right, I feel good about it. But <laughs> here's, um, so there's a book that came out in, I want to say 2007, called A Secular Age by a writer named Charles Taylor. I have not read it because it's huge, but <laughs> James K.A. Smith did a summary of the book yes. called How Not to Be Secular. Yes, um, okay. That's uh, right. And I've Smith, heard a lot about both of these books, and I've yeah. heard that most people don't read the Taylor. They just read the, the yeah. Jamie Smith book, <laughs> and they're good to go. So, uh, so Smith wrote this book, and uh, he intended to sort of be a introduction to and maybe even a guide to taylor's book um but even in his introduction he's like some of you will never get to taylor's book and that's okay i hopefully will represent his arguments well um and a real quick and dirty summary of even smith's summary is that um taylor's thesis is that we live in what's called the imminent frame in this um world where we have rejected the possibility of transcendence and we have sort of accepted only what's immediately close to us so the transcendent is this sense of the other that there is something more than what we can see that there 
you know, crudely that there is a God and there is something more than the material world. But transcendence is sort of that the world used to be porous. We used to believe that there was something going on that God was sort of involved um, and that manifests in all kinds of different ways. Um, Everything from sort of medieval people thinking that, you know, obsessing with demon possession or um, even non-Christian groups recognizing the sacred and the gods, as it were. Um, Taylor talks about secularization, has lots of stuff about that. It's, again, I, I would not be able to do it justice. But in your question, what is transcendence? I immediately think of the idea that we live in a world where we assume that everything that there is is here on the ground, is here immediately visible. And we have lost as a culture a real sense that there is something beyond, something other, um, something that is distant from other than above is the wrong word because we live on a round earth, but like, right? Like higher than, yeah. mm-hmm. um, greater than. Yeah. Um, so I think that actually relates to beauty in the sense that um, goodness, beauty, and truth as these sort of ideals of the divine that and if if i'm right commenters if you know plato better than i do feel free to jump into our comments but these are like platonic ideas that like the divine this this thing that is beyond us is goodness beauty and truth um in their sort of perfect forms and so anytime we encounter something beautiful it is something that is participating in the divine um what I said to my students, um, and again, <laughs> this is my, this is, I've already said this several times, Marvel fans, if you want to correct me, you're, you can correct me as well. <laughs> but um, God is both, God is both um, this sort of king over reality and the source of reality. When Colossians talks about, you know, through Jesus, by him all things were created and through him all things hold together, um, that, here's the Marvel reference, God is both the reality stone and Dr. Strange is able, is sort of the source from which all reality comes and the one who is able to wield and change that. Um, so it's not that God is reality. God is King over and source of reality. Um, we're getting real tweets here. He's the realist reality though. Right. I mean, he is, he is like, yeah. Anyway, sorry. I don't want to get bogged down in that. So, cause I think we know what we're what you're saying. Hopefully. Um, hopefully I know what I'm saying, but the, as it relates to beauty and as it relates to my encounters with God, what I said to my students, it was in a lesson talking about sacred and secular. And what I said is if we can encounter something beautiful, something that we all recognize, this is beautiful and it is not participating in God's beauty or that beauty doesn't come from God. That means there, there are beautiful things that are unrelated to God. And I want to reject that as a possibility. I want okay. to say anytime we see something beautiful, anytime we encounter something beautiful and good or true, but anytime we encounter beauty, we can recognize that that beauty is from God. If all good gifts come from God, if all truth is God's truth, then all beauty is God's beauty, which means, and I, I, I'm, I'm thinking, you're thinking we'll eventually get into conversations about engaging culture and art. Um, Anytime we encounter something that is beautiful, we can look at it and say, and allow it like an icon that is meant to transfer our mind, not to the, the like plaque on the wall, but to God 
we look at it and we say, look at what a beautiful God must exist through this. Um, we encounter it in nature all the time, and we're pretty comfortable with that, like go into nature, see right. the beautiful created world. Um, but if humans are made in the image of God and our co-creators like God is and are involved in the creative process, then anytime we see beautiful art, even if that art, and I'd say curiously enough, even when that art intentionally tries to say things opposite to what we believe to be true, the beauty that that art is participating in still directs us to God. Yeah. So this, yeah, what, what I think, I think what we have to define in this case and and make sure that we're clear about is that implied in what you're saying here is that beauty is a thing. It's not an idea. It's not a taste. It's not a, it's not something that it's not a preference uh, that beauty exists in and of itself and something is either beautiful or not beautiful or some of the infinite gray area in between those two things. Um, And it's really easy to like, especially in the English language, the way we use the word beautiful, uh, Mm -hmm. oftentimes we see something is really good and we call it beautiful. Like for example, um, you see a, a group of teenagers and they're like caring for one another and they're like living mm-hmm. in this beautiful community. Right. Cause I know yeah. we all see that every week in our youth group. Um, I, well, I know I weeks. do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, um, and we would call that, be- Oh, isn't that beautiful? Yeah. And, and I actually think that that's not really the right word in that context. I think what we're seeing is something good. Yeah. That, like, isn't it good that these students are caring for one another? And, and there is there is beauty maybe in it. But really what we're seeing is goodness and we're calling it beauty. Yeah. Um, but but I think it, it does bear pointing out in what you're talking about, uh, that is that beauty becomes this objective reality and not the way we think of it in modern society as this kind of subjective. Do I like this thing or not like this thing? Uh, do yeah. I find do I find a desert landscape beautiful or do I find a, a lush green meadow with wildflowers in it beautiful? Well, both are beautiful. You may prefer one or the other, but that doesn't change the fact that both are beautiful um, yeah. in their and, own ways. And I kind of want to – this is where I want to have my cake and eat it too because I want to have beauty be a thing like you're describing, right? And I want to be able, when we're talking about different artwork, um, to be able to say, to be able to, to do some sort of assessment and not leave it entirely to preference. At the same time, I, I was talking about this with my students, and I've got one student, um, he and I both like hip hop, and he doesn't like J. Cole, and I do like J. Cole. Um, and so he will, he just dunks on J. Cole all the time, or, or tells me about how J. Cole is just trash. And so... He uh, he brought up the question like, is there a way in which God reveals God's beauty to you through J. Cole, but not to me? Mm. Right. Because uh, I think and music's a really good place for this. There's music that some people love and some people hear it and they're like, oh, this is terrible. Um, or boring would, or whatever. Or, yeah. Yeah. And I think um, that that's where we hit a diff- difficult place because in some ways it is preference um, within genres fans of a genre can can have general senses of better or worse you know more or less beautiful representations of that genre or, or mm-hmm. art form 
Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, but there is some element of preference, and, and beauty is we can't experience beauty objectively. None of us are objective when we encounter art or music. And no. so there's some sense in which the only way that God can show us beauty is through our real lived-in experiences of a real lived life in the 21st century. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm going to call that out as too individualistic. Like it's all about me and how mm-hmm. God interacts with me and say that um, there are people in this world who who know more about what is beautiful in music or mm-hmm. in visual art or in film or you know whatever th- that that I can go to to find out hey this this thing seems beautiful to me. Is it actually beautiful? And because they know more about music in that or whatever, whatever we're talking about, they can in somehow like instruct me that, Mm. Oh no, you know, actually, yeah, maybe that's that, that there's beauty there. But if you want to see a really beautiful version of, of what you're talking about here, here's this over here. This is truly what is beautiful. Um, and we can be taught what is beautiful. Yeah. I want to go back a little bit though. First of all, I love this student that you're talking about is awesome. And I wish I knew him. Um, I I love that. He's asking that question is such a great question. Yeah. And, and I would say, I think my response to that in general is that what you prefer does not change the, the, the beauty or ugliness, uh, beauty or lack of beauty is probably a better way to put it. The beauty or lack of beauty of J. Cole or any artist, mm-hmm. right? So so the conversation is not um does God does God reveal beauty to you through like it's let's look for what is beautiful in this mm. and let's talk about that. And then so therefore you're left with making the argument, oh, here is what is beautiful. Here is what I think is beautiful about these J this J. Cole album. It's J. Cole, is that what we're talking about? Yeah, J. Isn't Cole. That- J okay. period C O L E. Okay, J Cole. So, um, yeah, like this is what is beautiful about it, and make yeah. an argument for why that it's beautiful, and and state your case, and then your student then comes back and says he he has to make a reasoned argument for why you're wrong, as you both like dig into what mm. like what it, is there something really beautiful in the midst of this, and then. What that then is, is that gives this student the opportunity to find something beautiful, maybe even in something that he doesn't prefer, but he can, he can recognize its value as something beautiful. Um, d- mm. Does that make sense? Do you understand where I'm going with that? Yeah. Like the, yes. the, beauty, the, the beauty is either there or it's not there. And whether or not you recognize it is maybe a matter of education. It may be a matter of something else. Mm-hmm. Um, but whether or not you that's the beauty you're going to interact with and that you're going to go to in order to find God or to be directed toward God or whatever, um, that is where the preference comes in. Yeah. Right. Uh, you know, I uh, listening to uh, Mizuko Uchida play a Mozart piano sonata like it's it's harder for me to find something more beautiful in this world that I would rather like interact with. Yeah. Um, and and so. But that doesn't mean I'm going to listen to a Mozart piano sonata all the time, right? There's yeah. certain times when I'm, I want to listen to that, and there's other times where I might want to like sit down with you and say, hey, tell me about this J. Cole guy. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're, you're hitting an interesting point about digging down into things because I find a lot of times with, 
with music. Um, there are lots of albums that I have started to listen to and chosen to listen to again and again because I've been told this is really quality, right? This is really good, but like this is very beautiful that there is something here um, and I haven't initially recognized it and I've had to make the choice to say, okay, I'm going to keep listening to this because the smart people tell me that it is. Um, now, I, I don't know. That's maybe elitist and ivory towery, but I think there's something to saying there are people who have put the effort into recognizing beauty um, and and maybe it's valuable to listen to them and say, hey, help me, help me look into this. You know, a, a perfect example is... Um, of what I'm thinking of is something called the visual commentary on scripture. Um, the um, I'm going to find the website here. Is that that thing you have in the basement there? All souls? No, that's the minimum Bible project. And that is also okay. excellent. Um, yeah. So the visual commentary on scripture, um, oh, I it's think, the yeah, VCS.org. Yeah. It's a freely accessible online publication that provides theological commentary on the Bible in dialogue with works of art. So they have, you, you just scroll through, again, thevcs.org. Um, they've got all these expo expositions, or exhibitions, I should say, um, to go by text, and you look up a text, and you um, they have three pieces of art um, from various time periods. Um, they have the text, and then someone has written commentary on each of the pieces of art as they relate to the text, and what's going on in the painting. Um, I don't know about you, but I regularly struggle with um, looking at art or looking at poetry. Poetry's I'm I'm bad at poetry. Yeah. Um, looking at it and finding meaning. And so it'll tell you, look for this. This is something here. And then has a, a fourth piece of commentary. So one on each piece of art. And then a fourth piece of commentary that like takes um, all three pieces of art in dialogue with each other and mm. talks about it um and it's incredible and it's the kind of thing where like oh here's an expert who can kind of help me with this and help me dive in and help me see the things that i couldn't see anyways because i'm not trained to see it mm -hmm. um i mean it's not unlike what we do with scripture right we right we we recognize the spirit speaks through scripture and scripture interprets itself but we don't just hand scripture to everybody who's literate and say, whatever meaning you come up with, the Holy Spirit gave you. We say, look, let's, <laughs> right? I mean, even, even, the translations, so the, even the translations we have in English are the product of centuries of scholarship. Right. So, right. so like all those words that only show up once in the Greek, people have spent years and years and years studying and learning and figuring out how to translate for us. Um, so I think there's something really valuable to that, um, it, having sort of Sherpas to guide you through artwork to find beauty. Um, and it, it certainly, in order to do that well, you have to have a posture that says, things that I don't naturally prefer might still be beautiful, yeah. um, even if I don't like them. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I actually think that's something that's really important um, I, I was having a discussion with, with some of the, the guys in my church last night. We've been, we read through, uh, C.S. Lewis, the abolition of man and have been discussing it. And, um, 
I can't get, I, I, I'm still wrapping my mind around all of it. Um, but one of the things, one of the kind of conclusions we came to that, that we decided that in part uh, Lewis was saying was this idea that really to become most yourself, you have to get outside of yourself, right? You have to be, um, to become most who you are and who you were made to be, you have to let go of the self. And, um, and I was thinking about that from the standpoint of, of teenagers and how, um, so much of what we do in youth ministry is getting them because teenagers just in the stage of life that they're in are just incredibly self-centered. <laughs> um, they're, they're trying to figure out who they are and what they like and who they want to hang out with and all these kinds of things. And so much of what we're doing in youth ministry is just getting them to like, trying to help them understand that if you really want to find out who you are, get outside of yourself uh, love others, care for others, explore, uh, exp- uh, like read your Bible, pray, spend time in prayer, uh, get outside yourself. And that's, that's when you will begin to discover who you actually are. And, yeah. and I think, I think recognizing, recognizing that, that beauty exists outside of your preferences. Yeah. Um, it is bigger than your preferences. It's bigger than your preferences. And, 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 more real than your preferences. Mm. Uh, I, I think is an important thing. Uh, and it also feels like there, but they're so steeped in this, so steeped in the culture of my preferences are what really matters. And my preferences is, is how I interact with the world and, um, getting the, getting the things that I desire, uh, or, or being that which I desire is, is the, is the way to true, and lasting happiness or whatever. Yeah. Um, like when you've only got two hours with them a week, it's really <laughs> hard to like press back against that and say, no, there is beauty. There is goodness. There is truth that is outside of you and you may not understand it and you, you may have to learn it. You will have to yeah. learn it. I think that's actually a value of, um, you know, a lot of people push back against the idea of diversity for diversity's sake. Um, okay. but I think, I think that is an overly simplistic well, here's my argument for diversity for diversity's sake, and that is um, it helps you shake out of your biases and understand voices that are not your own and recognize that m- it is natural for humans to take what they like and think that that is normal and from normal say that it's um, prescriptive. Yeah. And not only is this my normal experience, but my normal experience should be everyone's normal experience. Um you know, as we were talking about having Sherpas guide us through different types of art, um, my mind jumps immediately to the uh, catechist at All Souls, uh, Dr. Matt Milliner, who's an mm. art history professor at Wheaton. Um, and after the Anglican Youth Ministers Gathering, Eric, you and I attended uh, a lecture of his at the Wade Center, which is um, this this uh, library at Wheaton College. Um, and he talked about... Um, Native American artwork, um, and he wove Chesterton into it. It was really interesting, um, and I think it's online now. So if it is, I will find a link and put it in the show notes. Oh, cool. Um, and and it was this amazing practice of he has spent so much time getting to know and understand and read the works of these, um, back in Canada, they call them First Nations people, um, but all these uh, sort of indigenous tribes in North America and how they have found in some ways predicted Christians coming mm-hmm. um, and predicted the gospel. And there's one 
particular tribe that has incorporated Christianity into their tribal identity, um, where they constantly push back on people who say that Christianity was colonized upon them, and they say, no, we we knew about this before your missionaries even showed up through our own artwork. But it was, it's this beautiful piece, and you can find beauty there, and sometimes it requires someone to point out to you, oh, listen for this, look for this, notice this, and you can go, oh, that's really that's really interesting. And what it does is it helps us have a bigger picture of who God is. Mm. It helps us get beyond ourselves. Mm -hmm. And in youth ministry, that is the moment neurologically where students are just starting to have the capacity to do metacognition, thinking about thinking. And so there is never a, we can sort of get in on the ground level and help them as they're forming their neural pathways, as they're learning how to think, to say, um, well, here's a different way to think about it. Here's a here's a way to get outside your preferences and still have your preferences. You don't have to listen to everybody's music, but there is an incredible value to looking for beauty in places that you wouldn't naturally discover it. Mm. Um, finding things that are beautiful um, that you don't naturally prefer. Um, my mind jumps to um, the difference... Uh, my wife and I talk about this a lot, the difference between liking and loving someone, mm. right? Sometimes mm -hmm. I like people, um, but whether I like them or not, I can love them, mm -hmm. which is sort of active choice to do something even when you're unhappy with them or they're frustrating you. Um, that that choice to search for it, to recognize that God can be found in these other places. And to be honest, I think we find this in Paul's encounter at the Areopagus. I mean, this feels very stock youth pastor act 17 <laughs> paul goes but he he is looking for it. he spends some time walking around and in in some ways he does <laughs> this will sound blasphemous he does a worse job than matt milliner does because he kind of just appropriates that greek poetry <laughs> for purposes probably different than what it was intended whereas whereas matt milliner was actually finding you just threw the Apostle Paul under the bus, man. Holy cow. No, I, well, by, by cultural. I, it was, I still a, think it was a good point. Work. It was a good point. Right, I know right. what you're saying. It was a good right. point. Everybody, I, I, it's still scripture, right? I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not putting my friends above the Apostle Paul. Let's be clear. Um, but, right, so, so, but he is looking and he's saying there is something here. And Paul seems to do that a lot. He seems to look and try and understand um, and try and find those things which are good. And I think that's that's underneath his becoming all things to all people, right? It's it's recognizing there's great stuff here. And I think we can learn a lot from that sort of missionary posture to say, I'm I'm going into this new place. What is beautiful here? Because because everybody bears the image of God and is involved in co-creating. And so even music and genres and artwork that you dislike that you don't prefer and you really don't want to have maybe listening and finding out what people do like about it um might help you see that god is already at work there and there is something beautiful there even if you're not going to listen to it mm. yeah I, I think i feel good about that yeah i, I like that statement that's good i so we we haven't got into the we ha and and maybe maybe it's too hard to do that, but we haven't gotten into the nuts and bolts very much of of um, uh, you know how now shall we live like how, no, how like yeah. how how can I how can I how, what if 
impact will this have on my youth ministry, which we don't necessarily have to do that because we can just talk about interesting things to talk about. But maybe that's something we could talk about on our next episode is taking all these ideas of beauty and um, it, it, in what way is is a beauty that is beauty or or goodness or truth for that matter? We we spend a lot of time talking about truth mm-hmm. in in youth group, right? Because we spend a lot of time digging through scripture and finding right. finding Jesus and talking about Jesus. Like so, we spend a lot of time talking about truth. Um, presumably, we talk a decent amount about goodness, uh, but beauty is something that we may or may not. It's not something culturally within the church. We spend a lot of time. Um, exploring or talking yeah. about. Um, so maybe maybe that that's something we can talk about in another podcast or our next podcast or something. Yeah, let's do that next episode. We're we're sort of running out of closing out of time here anyway. Yeah. So we can so, so close up shop I, here and then do our next episode. Yeah. Why don't later. I finish? Um, why don't I finish with our a collect from uh, the again the 2019 ACNA BCP. Um, Look at us is, on brand. Yeah, look at that. This is um, number 83 from page 670. Almighty God, you alone gave us the breath of life, and you alone can keep alive in us the holy desires you impart. We beseech you, for your compassion's sake, to sanctify all our thoughts and endeavors, that we may neither begin an action without a pure intention or continue it without your blessing. And grant that, having the eyes of our mind enlightened to behold things invisible and unseen, we may in heart be inspired by your wisdom, in work be upheld by your strength, and in the end be accepted as your faithful servants. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. See you next time, guys. Grace and peace, friends.